Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. We are starting a brand new series today called Fight. Turn the person next to you and say, Fight! I'm really excited about this one. You know, I, I try to get excited about every series that we do here at Activation Church, but this is one that's just been kind of on me for several weeks, and I've been waiting for this moment at the beginning of a new year to talk about fighting for who God has called us to be. We're going to talk about stuff in this series that you can apply to life and business and marriage and relationships, which is good and you should, but ultimately... We want to fight to become the person that God has called us to be. Fight for the purpose that he's called us into. And so I want to start off by just telling you about the time that I never met Chuck Norris. Have I ever told you this story before? Like the, the, the moment in time that I never met Chuck Norris? It's a really great story. When I was a kid, my dad took my brother and I to a karate tournament. And this was like a really big karate tournament. And Chuck Norris was going to be there. He was going to be a special guest. And this was a big deal. If you don't know anything about Chuck Norris, you don't know anything about life. Let me just put it that way. You need to get your life right with God today and go and Google Chuck Norris. He's one of the baddest men on the planet. If he was here today, he would whip all of us together. It's Chuck Norris. He was our hero. I mean, this is the man that filled our childhood fantasies with his movies, you know? And I love a good fight film. You like a good fight film? You know, one of those that you get done and you feel like you wanted to go kick the crap out of somebody, you know? And you feel like you got the ability to do it. Like, that's how Chuck Norris made me feel. And so Chuck Norris was going to be in the arena. And there's just something cool about being in the arena uh, with someone that you look up to. I mean, even if you don't get to see them up close, maybe they're on the jumbotron, you just, you're in the room with them, you know? Well, we go and we get our seats and we notice, man, like we're pretty close to where Chuck is. And there's this rope there. And my older brother dips under the rope and he runs up to Chuck and he's like, hey, Chuck, my name's Alan. I'm your biggest fan. I watch all your movies and I do nunchucks and I kick stuff all the time. I can break boards. I love you, Chuck. You know? And, uh, What's funny is <laughs> my brother and I were talking about that the other day, about the, this particular moment, and he was convinced for years that he was uh, the reason for the movie Sidekicks that Chuck did, because it's about a kid who comes to Chuck at a cross tournament and goes, hey, Chuck, let me bring So it's pop. I don't know. We've not received any royalties from the film <laughs> as of yet, uh, but, you know, that's what he thought. So he got, to, he got to meet Chuck Norris, and my dad was like, son, arm go you go too and I couldn't do it I could not cross the rope I'm a rule follower like I like to do things by the book and I just couldn't find it within me to go under the rope and meet my hero and so that's how I never met Chuck Norris because there was a rope between me and him the, the reason I even mentioned that is because I want you to understand there will always be something in between where you are, and where you're going. There's always going to be something in between who you are right now and who you are becoming. 
And the only way you're going to step into the place that God has called you to be and become the person that God has called you to become is by being willing to go beyond the rope, fight the fights that need to fight, get a little bit of grit, get a little bit of grind, and learn how to stand your ground. Because how many of you know the fight is coming? When we talk about fighting throughout this month, I want you to understand the question we are not dealing with is, will the fight come? Because the fight will come. The question that we really want to look at this month is, what are you going to do when the fight shows up? Are you going to run? Are you going to walk away? Or are you going to stand your ground and say, God said I could have it, and I'm stepping into it? Listen, this, this thing has messed with me long enough, but in 2024, I am taking it out. I don't care how long it takes. As long as it wants to fight me, I will fight back, and I will not give up until it comes to an end. And see, some of us, we give up too soon. The fight comes, and we hang in there for a little bit, but it gets difficult, gets challenging. We get knocked around a little bit. I don't know about you, but I've been knocked around in life. Anyone else out there been knocked around? A little bit. You get knocked around and all you want to do is just turn your back and go. But understand, you were created to win. You were designed by God to be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. The reason the armor of God only has forward-facing stuff is because we were never called to retreat. We are always called to face the enemy head on, looking him in the eye saying, come get you some sucker because I'm taking you out now. The, the, the battle for my mind ends. The battle for my emotions that's going to end. The, the, the battle for my family and the hearts of my family and the salvation of my family and the salvation of my friends, that ends now because I'm willing to stand my ground. I'm willing to fight. I just wonder if there's anyone in this church today that is willing to fight. I, I wonder if there's anybody in this place today that's got some grit enough to say enough is enough. I'm not backing down. I've been knocked around long enough. I'm ready to take this thing out. If you have your Bible, go to 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. We're going to look at David and Goliath. This is a very familiar story. But I want to just pull a few things from it that will kind of help set us up for winning the fight. See, I'm not just interested in getting into the fight. I, I want to win the fight at all cost. My dad always taught me, son, if you're going to get in a fight, make sure you do whatever it takes to win that thing. Go for the biggest guy and take him out. There was a time, I'll tell this story. I didn't tell it in the first service, but there was a time that my dad had gotten him into, himself into something, and there were several guys who came, and they were going to whip him. And so dad told him, he said, here's the deal. He said, no doubt about it, y'all are going to whip me. He said, but you, and he pointed at the biggest guy, he said, you right there. He said, I've got one focus, and that is going to be to remove your eyeball from your socket. He said, so if you want to do this, you're going to whip me. He said, but you're leaving with one eye. So the guy said, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Let's get out of here. So anyway, uh, we can delete that from the podcast. 
1 Samuel 17, <laughs> starting in verse 19. Now y'all know why I'm so crazy. Yeah. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So there's a fight here. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse, who is his dad, had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Goth, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. Goliath has been taunting Israel for 40 days with the same challenge, but the Bible says this time David heard him. Verse 24, and all the men, and someone say all, all the men of Israel, when they saw him, now I'm, I'm hitting words like heard and saw very heavily in this because I want you to, I, I, I want to kind of draw your attention to how we hear and how we see things. The, the, the army of Israel, the, the, the people who were supposed to be bad, the people who were supposed to be the protectors of the nation, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. Surely this is the problem that's going to take me out. Surely this is the thing that's going to end my marriage. Surely this is, put it in the blank. Surely that's, that's, their, that's their concept, that's their perspective, that this is the one that's going to get me. We fought some battles in the past. It was okay, but that guy's too big. That's what they see. Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Say what? What am I going to get when I take this joker out? I love David's attitude. He was bad and he knew it. <laughs> he said, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who does he think that he is that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now, I want you to drop down to verse 40 of that same chapter, a few more verses, and then we're going to get going. Are you all ready for this? Yeah. We're going somewhere. Yeah. Verse 40 says, then he took his staff. This is David. He took his staff in his hand. And he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Goes head on. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. 
The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, all right, I heard what you got to say. Check this out. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. That's cute, man. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I'm going to cut your head off. See that eyeball right there? That one's mine. (laughs) I'm going to cut your head off, man. I love his attitude. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts on earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into your hand. Let me just pause there and say, every attack the enemy has assigned against you, that battle belongs to the Lord. Your only responsibility is to stand in faith knowing that the same God who brought you in is the same God who's about to kick the door open and bring you out. David has tremendous confidence in the Lord. He's not coming and saying, hey, I'm going to do this because I'm all that in a bag of potato chips. No, I'm a small kid. I'm little. I'm insignificant in your sight. But guess what? You forgot about my big brother. You forgot about my daddy. You forgot about the God who showed up with me. The one that you've been defying, he's about to give you into my hand. I've got victory because of who I travel with. I've got victory because of who I walk with. That needs to be your attitude. Anything you face in life, you have victory because of who is with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Man, talk about a confidence booster. I feel like cutting some heads off today. You better watch your step. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> so when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead. And he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. I love this part. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his own sheath and killed him and cut his head off with it. He cut his head off with his own sword. Told you I was going to do it. (laughs) when the Philistines now when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead they fled for 40 days the army of Israel has been listening to the challenge of Goliath but instead of moving in faith they operate in fear I want you to understand, anytime a challenge comes, you will have the opportunity to meet that challenge with fear or faith. Fear and faith can operate within the same space, but you will move in 
the one you choose to look at. Does that make sense? So just because you experience fear does not mean you have no faith. It means that you're staring at the wrong thing. It means you're staring at the battle, you're staring at the problem instead of looking at the solution. See, David and Israel heard the same challenge from the same champion. They heard the same thing. They just processed it differently. Why? Because champions hear things differently than other people hear them. Champions can see the same challenge, but see it and perceive it completely different. Which means it's possible for me and Rich, right here on the front row, to go through the same exact experience and process it completely differently based upon how we look at it. See, Israel, when they heard Goliath, they heard their opposition. When David heard Goliath, he heard his opportunity. When they saw Goliath, they saw their obstacle. David saw his opportunity to overcome. Are you following that? It's all in how you look at it. And the faith to look at it that way is because God is on your side. And I know that if the battle comes, I am going to win. As long as I'm willing to stand, as long as I am holding on to God, he is going to hold on to me. And greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. I cannot lose. As a matter of fact, the fight is not even fair. See, the devil goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What's that roaring lion like? He's a roarer. He shouts. He taunts. He tries to back you down because he knows if he can back you down, then he's got the victory. Because as soon as you stand your ground, he's got nothing on you. It's false power. It's not real power because Jesus has already disarmed him. When Jesus died on the cross and came back from the dead... He disarmed the enemy. The enemy has no power other than his roar. He can still shout. He can still roar. And the only ability he has is to get you to bow to the roar. But as soon as somebody makes up their mind that God is greater than the roar, God is greater than the battle, God is greater than this moment of pain, you're going to stand and you are going to win. See, David processed this whole situation differently. He looked beyond the what needs to happen and started staring at the why I'm going to make it happen. This is big. If you want to win the battles, you need to have a why you're going to fight the battle. See, David wasn't just going to step up and fight this battle to prove a point that he's got the ability to do it. He heard... I'm going to get a wife. My family's going to be free. But this goes beyond me. Because if someone doesn't stand up to this Philistine, then my children and my children's children are going to be slaves to the Philistines. So I'm going to fight this battle because I've got a strong why. It's not just for my freedom. It's for the freedom of my family. 
See, church, you have to have a strong why. How, how many of you set goals for the new year? Anybody by a show of hands? Awesome. We've got five, six people in our church that are motivated. <laughs> the, the others had goals. They've just already given up. <laughs> We're only seven days in, church. Come on. You can do it. <laughs> but just, just shout out. On the count of three, just shout out what one of your goals could be. One, two, three. Freedom, I heard, uh, uh, consistency, I heard it all. It's awesome. So you, what? Oh, that's awesome. I thought you said get a sweeper. I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, sister, just go up to the store. You can make that happen today. No. <laughs> go deeper, I like that. So, so you have identified your goal. You know what you want to do, right? But why do you want to do it? See, Knowing the why is what's going to give you the endurance to stand when the challenge comes. See, it's easy at the beginning of the year to get excited about, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. But then, like, you actually stop eating Twinkies, and your body goes into shutdown mode, you know. And you're thinking, if I just had that Twinkie, life would be good again. You know, so I've got to have a strong why. And some of you would say, well, the why for that would be to be healthy. Yeah, that is a why, but that's not a strong why. Just being healthy, that's not a strong why. I've got, to, I've got to find a strong why for what I'm going to do. And that why could be anything, but for me, like if I'm going to give up Twinkies, the why is going to be that I want to live long enough to raise my children, to establish a faith for my children. I want to live long enough to present the gospel to as many people as possible. That's a strong why. So now I can look at the Twinkie and go, hell no, because i got a strong why. David had a strong why. Why do you want to grow deeper? That's, that's the question you need to ask yourself. Like, like, we'll all say things like, you know, I want to get closer to God this year, but why? I want to read the word more, but why? I, I, I want to be more involved in church. I, I want to serve on a team, but why? So you've got to get a hold of that why. I, I want to get into the word because the word of God is life. I want to have connection with God because he is the source of life. And, and what we talked about last week, if I'll take time to build the altar, a place of worship and prayer and time with God, then God will begin to build my life. He'll establish my family. He'll bless us for generations to come. That's a strong why that goes beyond me. Because if it's just me, who cares? Honestly, some of you have gone through some tremendous things in life, some tremendous struggles that you have come through and you're on the other side of it, which praise God for that. But if it was just about you, would you really have come through it? But when you thought about your family, when you thought about your kids, maybe you thought about your purpose, maybe you thought about the fact that there's life beyond this moment and you got a why to go forward. See, the why will give you endurance. The, the Apostle Paul, I was reading, him, reading some of his stuff this morning, and there's a passage of Scripture that's real popular. He says, to live is Christ and to what? To die is, anybody know it? To gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And if you pull that into context, what he's saying there is he's saying, you know, if I continue to live here on this earth, it means fruitful labor for Christ. Because as long as I'm here, I'm living on mission. But to die and be with Christ is far better. You have to understand this, this man was dealing with being thrown in and out of jail for his faith. This man 
was beaten. This man had been shipwrecked as a missionary. He, he had a very tough life, and so he's, he's being honest with the church he's writing to. He's saying, if I could be honest with you, I would rather leave here and be with him. That's far better for me. He said, but for you, it's better that I stay. He said, so I've made up my mind. I'm going to stay and continue so that more people can meet Jesus, so that your faith can be developed. That was a why. So that when he goes through those trials of being beaten or shipwrecked or in prison, he, he doesn't get down on himself. He's got a why, knowing that this, that he is suffering, is producing salvation, is producing something eternal. Church, you have to understand, we all have a strong why. We just have to find it. Like what we do here as a church, there's a why behind it. Because there are people who will stand in heaven one day because of what we do here. That's why. That's why. Because people will die and go to hell without the message of Jesus Christ. And we get the opportunity through our serving and through our giving to participate in bringing people into the kingdom of God. I, I was talking to the, the camera team directors this morning. I was talking about... You need to know why you run cameras during a service, and your team needs to know why you run cameras beyond the fact that we just like doing cameras. Hey, that's great. You like doing cameras? Get on the camera team. But also have a why, because the why will make you get up in the morning when you have a headache and go, I need to be there, because someone's going to connect with Jesus Christ through what I do today. You know how many times I've gotten out of bed and done things I did not want to do because I had a strong why? You need to get that why. Find that why for you. Find that why you get out of bed every day. Understanding that it's more than just going to your nine to five, that you are the hands and feet of Jesus. You are the only Jesus that someone may experience today, and you are there as his representative, as his hands and feet. Think about that. That's why you can impact a life. You can change a life. You know why I'm so excited about baptism? Because that's, that's the result of people hearing the gospel that we are presenting here as a church and going, you know what? I want to dedicate my life to the Lord. I, I want to say goodbye to the old way. I, I want to bury all that. I want to be raised to new life. That's why you're getting baptized, not just so you can get wet, not just so you can fulfill a tradition. You're doing it. Here's the why. Because I am now in Christ. And Christ is now in me. The person I used to be no longer exists. Everything has become brand new. And so I'm going in that water as part of my testimony to say, bye-bye to the old me, welcome to the new me. That's why. That's why. This year our church has had the opportunity to minister overseas via television and Internet. And we continue to get more and more doors opening up to us. In, in January, we'll be back in Pakistan. And then one day in January, we're going to be on a television network that spans multiple nations. We're going to be on a separate television network that spans multiple nations. And when the opportunity first came, I'll be honest with you, my thought was, I don't know if I really want to do that. Like as a human being, I've got a lot on my plate. <laughs> I've got three daughters, a wife, and a female dog. Like an actual female dog, like, like rough, rough, okay? <laughs> like we have a busy life. Not only that, like I am very, very consumed with what 
takes place here because you are my priority. This church is my priority. And so I always want to make sure that I'm giving you my all. So I was thinking, I don't know if I really want to uh, expend the energy, but, but you know what? I'll try it because I'm always praying, God, give me opportunities to preach the gospel. Here's an opportunity. So I, I did it the first time. And then we got the results, like over 100 people gave their life to the Lord, like multiple people got healed. And I was like, okay, that's a good, strong why. So I did it again. More people got saved. So now, although physically I may not want to do it, I've got a strong why that I'm going to show up and do what I've been called to do. Men, you need a strong why to show up for your family. Women, you need a strong why to show up for your family. You need to find the why that we're going to stay together and model what it looks like to be a Christian home, a Christian family. We're going to model what it looks like to put God first. We're going to model what it looks like to actually show up and be involved in church because we understand that this is more than just a public gathering. This is the body of Christ expressing Christ in the community. That's why. Because when we come together, that's when Jesus is fully seen. He's not fully seen just in an individual. An individual is not the church. We are the church. You are a member of it. Isn't that wonderful? To know that when we come together, something supernatural is happening. That people get delivered in moments like this. Chains begin to fall off in moments like this. God begins to break things open for them that they couldn't break open for themselves. He begins to change and transition hearts. People who felt unlovable, start to feel love. Those who haven't experienced peace in such a long time, they come in and they just sense, man, I feel peace. I I feel loved here. I feel accepted here. That's why. That's why. That's why we do what we do. The next thing that we've got to determine this year if we're going to win is, is the fight worth picking up the stones? That's a big question that we should all wonder, like, is it worth getting myself into what I'm getting myself into? We could talk about priorities. Am I putting my energy into the best places that are going to give me the best return for my life? Am I investing into healthy relationships that are going to bring a healthy return into my life? Or am I investing my time, my talent, my energy into things, places, and people that really aren't going to add any benefit to my life? I'm just picking up rocks for no purpose. I've got a lot of energy going, but not a lot of benefit. Are you following me? My dad always taught us, he said, don't ever do anything unless it's going to add to your life mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, or financially. If it doesn't add to you in at least one of those areas, it's not worth your time. Some of us spend time with people who aren't adding anything to us or sucking nutrients away from us. And the battle you're going to have to fight is learning to stand your ground and say, I love you, but I ain't got time for you because I'm going somewhere with my life. You hear that? I'm going somewhere with my life. God has given me value and purpose. He's given you value and purpose too, but you obviously don't see it yet. And until you see it, I just don't have time because I'm going to hang out with people who are adding something to me, not taking things away from me. That's, that's why like, I value church because things are added to me in this connection with you. 
This is the place that I find fulfillment. This is really the place where I find that joy and that strength that I need to to make it throughout the week. This is where I come and I get the the battle plan to go out and fight the fights that I know I'm going to have to fight this week. See, this, what we do here, is worth picking up the stones for. Some of the other things that I've done in my life, it really wasn't worth the stones. It wasn't worth the effort. And so I've got to determine this year, those are some of the things I'm saying bye to. It's not that it was evil. It's not even that it was sinful, but it just wasn't adding anything to me. So I'm walking away from it. My wife always laughs because I like to say it like this. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Like you're going to have to put something into this. You're going to have to put some pressure on it. Is it worth the juice you're going to get from it? Church, I believe that 2024 can be a phenomenal year for every single person in this room. I believe that you can start to step into the purpose that God has called you to be. I believe that this time next year, you can look back and see how far God has brought you from. And some of you have seen that transformation from 2023 to 2024. Some of the people that are being baptized today have seen that transformation in their life. And it can happen for every single person who's willing to say, you know what, I'm all in. I'm all in. So, so many people aren't willing to go all in with Christ. So, you know, like go into the swimming pool, or just put, dip their toe in. At what point in time do we get on the diving board and say, I'm going all the way in. My life is yours, and I know it's not going to be easy. And I know the fight's going to come, because as soon as I make up my mind, I'm dedicating my life to the Lord, the enemy's coming. But the fight's worth it. It's worth picking up the stones because who you're going to be on the other side of that battle is far beyond your comprehension. Far beyond what you can even think or imagine right now. I cannot wait to see who you become this year. I cannot wait to see what God does in your life this year. I cannot wait to see who you reach and impact this year. I cannot wait to hear the testimonies of the things that God is putting back together in your life this year because you made the decision, I'm going to fight to be the person that God's called me to be. Listen, church, it's not going to be easy, but it is always worth it.